What is up? We are almost ready for our national celebration, the NBA draft. It is crossing broadcast. I am Adam Lefko, joined by Russell Joy, aka Roy, and Kyle Scott. Uh, follow these guys on Twitter at Crossing Broad, at Joy on Broad. I'm at Adam Lefko. Uh, tomorrow is the draft, and if you guys are looking to celebrate the draft with the guys of Crossing Broadcast, where do they got to go, Kyle? Uh, so we will be at Ladder 15, starting at 6 p.m. in Center City. Russ and I will be there. I know you have Bleacher Report duties tomorrow night. Are you guys doing a live show, or are you just doing I a... will be live with Mr. Buker and Mr. Beck for the lottery. Nice, nice. For the draft. Yes. The, yes. the, the lottery portion of the draft, yes. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Russ and I will be at Ladder 15. The party starts at 6. There's a two-hour open bar from bang, six bang. to eight, so you get the uh, you get the uh, smack dab in the middle of that. Will be the Sixers pick and ensuing celebration. They may move back up into the first round, according to Brian Colangelo. So there could be some additional intrigue. Um, we will be there. We will uh, be selling. I will be selling shirts. Uh, we will have. Uh, if you don't want to do the open bar, there's just a regular cover and beer special option. And we will be doing a live podcast. I, the folks from New Media Studios are nice enough to come down. Nice. Uh, they're going to bring their equipment. So we'll do this real instead of just off my laptop. They're going to bring speakers. So we will do a live show for the house, record it, uh, and it will be part or Friday's or just all of Friday's show. We haven't decided yet. but uh, So we're going to do that at 8. We'll let the open bar run its course. We'll let the beginning of the draft play out, and then we'll start the podcast at around 8. So uh, come out, watch the draft. Drink a lot, have a good time, get an Uber home. They just fired their CEO this morning, by the way. Uh, that guy's a creep. Uh, but uh, get an Uber home and stick around for our. Uh, actually, stick around for the podcast, then get the Uber home. So yeah, tomorrow night, Uber, ladder fifteen. Man, uh, Travis, man, that that blew up real quick. That that company, man, I, I'm upset that Uber is bringing tipping into the app. Oh, are they really? Yeah, it's the I best like part tipping. of it. Yeah, the best part is not having to tip. Well, it's, you don't have to figure it out. You just figure it's included. I did not know that. It's a to, shame. They have such a good a, product, and it's a, it's a poor, like, it's such a shittily, uh, uh, like, I don't want to say shittily, but, like, like scammy, scammy-run company. That guy is, is a piece of dirt. Do you have to, is the tipping something you have to do right away, or is it like the Starbucks app? Because you know what? Like, I, I started, uh. I, like, the Starbucks app, if you have a gift card, you uh you get your coffee you walk away and then like you you get a push notification 10 minutes later that says hey don't forget to tip your server uh this will be available for another three hours look if i wanted to tip my starbucks barista i would have done it already i don't need a, a reminder three hours Russ later is I, there checking like, the time yeah i just the three hours to expire i just want to know like how many people are really doing a delayed tip to their barista See, it's not that i, I don't value I, what they do it's just three hours I only tip later to really save face I only tip the safe face. I wouldn't do it after that. I just do it so I can look someone in the eye before I walk away from Have you it. ever put a dollar Wait. in the jar and the person didn't see, and you're like, you just like hold the dollar there until yep. they start looking just so you they can see you put the tip in? Oh, yep. absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. I do the old wait, you know, if, you, if it's a counter thing, like wait, wait till they're looking at you and handing you your change or something like that, and you, you know, like real, you slide it across the table so it makes a noise. You got oh, to make sure... It, draws attention to itself uh, you grab grab your change back and just kind of eye them up 
And it's like, exactly. no, no, no. We're going to get to Flyers, the draft in the New Jerseys in a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, if you guys could leave us a five-star review, that would be awesome. If you leave comments, too, that would be great. We'll definitely get to them. Helps everyone get the word out about the Crossing Broadcast show. Uh, it has been Markel Foltz and Sixers Week all over the place. All the local podcasts for the Sixers all on the top 100 because that's how excited Sixers fans are. For me personally at the Bleacher Report office, I have had so many people come up to me and just go, how happy are you? How happy are you? It's the number one question I get. Um, And when it comes to Markel Foltz, the player that we're going to take, Kyle, there's been two different camps. There's been the, wow, people were wrong about the process, Twitter Armageddon. And then there's been pieces like you saw in the Washington Post that you were literally drooling over. The Washington Post profile, I don't know, did you guys read it? Yeah, because of you. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I, I thought, like, what a good piece. They, they sat down with the guy on I, the lottery night. And even from lottery night, his camp kind of wanted him to go to Philly. I'm slightly concerned that one of the reasons is because he loves cheesesteaks and he wasn't here more than three hours and he said he was getting one on Saturday. But uh, what a good piece. I love, I love a guy driven by revenge. Like, all he wanted to talk to the Washington Post reporter about was the fact that he was, because he's from Maryland, was that he was snubbed in their uh, D.C. Player of the Year rankings for his junior and senior seasons. <laughs> like, like the guy like the guy profiling him had anything to do with the high, you know, the stringer who puts together the high school rankings. But uh, I, I like a guy fueled by revenge, and I feel like I feel like he will, if nothing else, will kill the Celtics for his career. Not so much because he wanted to go there, but because he feels that you know he was slighted by them trading away the number one pick. So that's what really came across for me in this is that he is he was cut when he was cut from his team. Which, by the way, Bob Brookover used as a negative in his shitty piece on Monday. But the fact that Fultz was cut from his team his sophomore year, mostly because of politics, apparently, like he was, it sounded like he was the more talented player. He used that as motivation to just basically kill everybody. And he's still using it as motivation. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. And he's motivated by the fact that he didn't make his varsity team his sophomore year. Like, I love that in a player. When you see LeBron, like when you see LeBron these last few years just playing on another level in the finals, even though he, you know, he's come up short a few times. But what is like? You get the sense that what drives a guy like LeBron or what drove Durant this year, it wasn't winning, but it was proving the doubters wrong, proving the haters wrong. Like I, I, I think you can get so much more out of someone when you're trying to. Uh, you know, like hate fuck someone than when you're just trying to to win something. Oh, I don't like that phrase. Uh, I nope. let me ask you guys this: <laughs> since the trade happened, there's been the emerging camp of people talking down about Fultz, people saying that the Josh Jacksons of the world uh, and Lonzo Ball and even. Um, the, the shooter from Duke, what's his Tatum, are just as good, if not better. Have you gotten more bullish on Fultz, or have you started to listen to the haters at all and been a little bit more realistic? Where are you now? Russell? I, I listened to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast yesterday, which was just hilarious. I mean, it was schadenfreude to the max. It really uh, was. Because he, he really spent the better part of 80 minutes trying to rationalize what Danny Ainge had done. And I don't remember the guy's name, uh, Chris or something, that is, I guess, the, the resident Sixers fan there. 
and like he Chris he Ryan, sho- Chris yeah, Ryan. yeah, and he shows up late to the pod, and he's like, so uh, at this point, have you guys already tried to convince yourself that Danny Ainge is the smartest guy in the room? Um, and then I think Bill Simmons' dad even like went in on on Ainge, so it was it was like funny. No, like I I I'm just I think I've gotten even more excited about Fultz, uh, realizing that that this is actually happening. Um, there was a really awesome video. I think yeah, Kyle posted it on the website last night. Um, that that just kind of showed why Fultz is really the missing piece, and the way that the way that he's going to be able to you know kind of streamline the the offense that Simmons is likely going to run, that Embiid is going to be passing out of the post, Sarge is passing. Like it's just such an exciting thing. So I'm I'm all in on Fultz, and it's like I said the other day. I'm so glad that we don't have to settle, and I'm so glad that we don't have to rationalize uh, and and look past these massive weaknesses from pretty much every other player in the draft. I do find it funny that Jason Tatum is now apparently the next Paul Pierce, um, according to Celtics fans, that he's going to be this knockdown, uh, drag-out shooter who's going to just carry the team offensively. I just find it comical. Like, he's a good player, but, like, I I, I don't know. I thought Philly fans were bad at, at, at over... Rationalizing. Over, yeah, over-rationalizing or, or over-valuing a, uh, a prospect's worth. But my God, Celtics fans have just taken it to a whole new level. And I, I couldn't be happier to watch it from afar and laugh. Um, I, the, I listened to about half of that podcast, and it, uh, Simmons was going back to the 98, I want to say like the 98-99 drafts. Yep where the top 10 was considered equally as strong across the board. And he was making the argument that, well, in those seasons, you this is, by the way, a guy who loved Fultz and admittedly loved Fultz and had spent podcasts like, you know, just like salivating over him. But he talked and now he's and he still does. He's like, look, I watched 11 hours of YouTube video. I'm upset about this. I was invested in him. But he talked about how there was a straight line between one and 10 in in those years where there was like a 10 player draft where one wasn't that much or at all better than 10. There was there were better guys taken. And when he had Kevin O'Connor on, he kind of echoed the same sentiments, which concerns me a little bit more because he's not fanboy Bill Simmons, but was basically like, look, a star can come out of any one of these seven picks. Like you can get see a Jonathan Isaac go at six, and he turns out to be by far sure. and away the best player. And people wonder like, what happened? You know that can happen any draft. And you know they spent a lot of time on how Fox could be the best player if he gets a shot. All this stuff. Um, I think as Sixers fans though, like I, I'm, I'm, I feel the same way about Fultz I did two days ago. We are. Adam, you predicted this the other day. We're going to start to see the, oh, well, here are the weaknesses Fultz had. The yep. Celtics didn't like him. Let's bring up that time he had a sore knee nine and a half months ago for two weeks. Uh, that, that came up on the Simmons podcast. I've seen that get thrown around lately. So the Celtics are uh, seem to be you know planting these seeds out there. Um, but what people, I think, nationally don't talk about, and Adam, I'd be interested to see what like the office reaction of Bleacher Report is, the, it's not that just Fultz is the best player. You know, you can make an argument depending on the team that a guy like Jackson might be a better fit for those, or you know, like the Celtics, it might be worth taking a flyer on Jackson because you already have a guard. But the fit with Fultz and the Sixers is what makes him so impressive because you yeah. already have these two potential superstars, and now you get the guy who checks all your guard boxes in addition to him being the best player. Like, what? Like, is there a? What do the non-Philly guys feel about that? Where you? Oh, at? I mean, I had I had multiple discussions yesterday with Celtics fans who were telling me all the the downside and 
and how they got another pick and all that. And, and I get it. And I just said to them, look, you're trusting in your GM's evaluation, and I'm trusting in the evaluation of every other person that's looked at this draft. Every Celtics fan goes, my trust is in Danny Ainge. And I go, who the hell has he drafted that's really that great at that spot? Because he hasn't. Um, this, this, this notion that, look, if anybody got called about Garnett and Paul Pierce uh, and, and made that trade with Ball, like, I don't know why he celebrated for that. Like, if that got called up and the Brooklyn owner wanted those guys, whatever, you make the deal. So um, the other perspective is, you know, then they start bringing up the lack of winning or whatever. But really, anyone that's been paying attention, like there is an educated Boston fan that's a really good young writer, and he was so upset. He wanted Fultz. That was his guy. And we were talking about it, and, and he gets it. But... Everyone is going to justify. Everyone's going to have reasoning. That, oh, wow, he's passing on Fultz. He doesn't think Fultz is the best. Okay. Like, there were people that didn't think Steph Curry was going to be good. There were people that thought Jimmer Fredette was going to be a star. As we've talked so many times, the draft is a crapshoot. The only thing I know is, like you just said, the fit is perfect, and this was the number one guy the whole time with zero flaws. So I feel really confident and comfortable. That's mine. The uh, the Bucks owner Wes Edens firing shots. Um, fantastic. <laughs> the fact that Embiid retweeted him, um, I, I Embiid like just get. I swear to God, I feel like he is so good at Twitter. There are times I'm convinced he has he's paying someone to do it for him, and that's not meant to be a slight to him. But he gets like the Twitter vernacular. He gets the you know inside joke punchlines. Like I just think he follows so many Philly and Sixers Twitter people that he he just is part of the conversation. But I've ne- I don't know if I've ever seen an athlete ever uh, you know let alone a relatively young guy who's you know somewhat new to our country like totally understand the the inside joke the tongue-in-cheek humor and when the appropriate time to like throw it lob a little bomb like that he would really which he did with edens and eskin it would really upset me if it came out he had a twitter guy yeah it, me too like if he had a friend that was just really good at Twitter. In fact, if he had a friend using his Twitter, his friend wouldn't be that great at Twitter. We just think that it because it's Embiid, it's that much better, you know? Oh, totally. But but it, you know, like for him to to no, know exactly fantastic. which retweet Armageddon tweet to use against Eskin, for him to just fire that little shot at the Bucks, like yeah. My conspiracy theory is that Max Rappaport, and I don't think this is actually true. But if I had to like create a Joel Embiid Twitter conspiracy, Max Rappaport, who used to be one of the guys who runs the Sixers, uh, ran the Sixers account, and now is part of the Step Over Pod. Um, and a prolific Sixers tweeter. I know he, you know, I don't know if he knows Embiid, but I know, like, you know, they know them to say hello because he worked for the Sixers for a few years. There's just a part of me that feels like like Max is working under the table for Embiid to run it's his Twitter account. It's not a bad conspiracy theory. I've heard worse. So, there we go. I, I, I just he, hope, you know what? Milwaukee can have all the fun in the world they want lobbing bombs while they have a mediocre team led by one guy who they actually landed a, a solid pick in Giannis, but in Giannis, but like they well, also like, they're also a team who totally bought the hype and, and drank all the Kool Aid and picked Thonmaker at tenth overall. Enjoy having Thonmaker score four points a game. 
That's great. You want to talk about results? Let's talk about those results. Let's talk about the fact that you gave Matthew Delvadovo almost $10 million a year. Yeah, you guys really care about winning. Thon Maker is an absolute beast in NBA 2K17 on my uh, on my creative team or whatever the hell. Well, thank God that, that actually equates is, to real he's success. He's such style. a video game stud. He's long. He could shoot. He blocks shots. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, like, the nerve of Wes Eden, like, you can't talk about results when you haven't won, your team hasn't won a playoff series in six, 17 years. Like, go to hell. Um, are you guys, are you guys Mallory fans? I, I can't talk about the Eden's family without discussing Mallory. Then we could just not talk about the family. Oh, no. No, come on, Kyle. Don't do this. Nope. No, you just said nope. you are. No. Yeah, but like I don't need you to go on to. I would rather get to the retweet Armageddon. We don't need this to Eskin be Casey Brookover. We don't need this to become the new Casey Catanzaro of the slot. Oh, hold chat. on. Okay. I have I have a, a new fresh Brookover take. Yes. Go for, go for it. Okay, so as you guys know, Bob Brookover wrote the worst article of all time, uh, talking about Markel Fultz and how the trade was bad, but that he never actually saw Markel Fultz play. I was in uh, Bleacher Report yesterday, and Howard Beck was in office. Howard Beck, former New York Times writer, just unbelievable writer of all things basketball. And uh, we're talking about the Sixers, we were talking about Porzingis and, and all the craziness that was going on in the NBA yesterday. And I said, hey, did you see that article, uh, the Sixers article about Fultz, that, and I didn't finish the sentence, he goes, he goes, that had the most embarrassing opening paragraph maybe in the history of sports writing? And I went, yeah, what'd you think about that? He goes, he goes, I, he goes, I would be so embarrassed and I can't believe that that person still has a job. And back, obviously, like, he'd probably be very upset that I just said that, but, like, don't make a video of that. But um, it just—it's it, not just us. That was historically bad, like historically bad. What I thought was interesting is that, like Ryan Lawrence, who Philly voice covering the Phillies for a while, takes his job super seriously. Does a hell of a job as a beat writer. He, like, he came didn't come at me. He, like, went back and forth. He's like, you know, you're just fueling the anyone who disagrees with the Sixers thing you've you know you guys vilify them and it's starting to get old uh and it was like a casual you know it was a cordial conversation and he's like you know but the, the Sixers Twitter army it just will you can't win if you criticize the Sixers and he's not necessarily wrong there like there's definitely a knee-jerk reaction to do that but I I was kind of shocked that someone like that who does take their job seriously and really does uh, you know, subscribe to the capital J journalism style of sports writing was defending Brookover. And like, look, man, like it's one thing that he disagrees. Fine. But when you start off your, I mean, like does everyone listening to this knows this, but when you start off your piece saying you have no idea what you're talking about, but here's my opinion anyway, like how, how another writer can defend that is beyond me. And I saw Lawrence respond to some people and he said, well, you know, do you expect a Philly columnist to watch Washington games all year like first of all maybe if he, if he's going to be writing about potential draft picks and all year we knew this guy was a potential Sixers target then maybe pop the game on once in a while but that's fine even if you don't there it's so easy like Brookover's job 
I would love like the job of a columnist. Like, give me a fucking break. You could not have a more cush job. You don't have to go through the slog that the beat writers have to go through. You don't have to worry about putting on makeup and getting on TV or in front of a camera like other people do, or programming four hours of radio. You could, I could bang out that column he wrote, no joke, in about thirty-eight minutes, and it makes me so outrageously mad that I, you know, I'm sitting here all day long finding content, writing, watching stuff, you know, a legit 10 hours of work a day to like keep a website that keeps people's interest. And this is a guy who has to write a handful of columns per week, like 750, 1,000 word columns that are vanilla as shit that you can bang out in, in under an hour. And the fact that he couldn't even be bothered that, hey, one of these days where you're collecting your tenured union paycheck, that you couldn't spend a few hours watching some videos, watching scouting reports, seeing a breakdown of his game, reading stuff about him. You could go on, you could go out and watch condensed versions of his game where you see every touch he had or every shot he took. It's not that difficult nowadays. So that's what people are upset about. Like, it just blows me away. You're a columnist and you have nothing else to do. That, that columns do not take long to write, especially ones that don't require any research. Like, do some goddamn research. You have all day. You have all week. You're, what are you doing all day? Just flick on YouTube for four hours and lay in bed. It's not that hard. We have reached the golden era of citizen scouting, of NFL draft, NBA draft, YouTube warriors. We go on. We all watch. Uh, we used to, like I would say in the last two years, you would get like these cool 60-second clips that like people would put out. And now it's like full-fledged. You could literally watch 11 hours of Markel Fultz. And to not even watch two to three hours before writing the column, like I, I made this note to Howard yesterday. It was a joke, but I think I, 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 think I might be accurate here, Roy. Um, I think Brookover wrote in parentheses to his editor, hey, I know that you want me to watch this, write about this kid, but I haven't watched him play and I didn't actually go to the thing. So take everything I'm writing with a grain of salt. And I just think he forgot to put parentheses <laughs> and the editor just kept it in. Like, I think that was a note like, hey, listen, I haven't seen, I know you want me to write this. But because there's no other way that that should be in an article ever. I don't know. I I just think he's arrogant enough to have included it. I kind of think that he thought it would. I I don't know. I think there's just like that little bit of of wanting to be genuine with your with your readers, I guess. And like, it's a stupid thing to say. But in in a a market full of of poor writers writing for the Inquirer or the Daily News or Philly.com or whatever they are. I don't know. Maybe he thought that it would it would just kind of give him an in that people would kind of cut him a break because if you write a totally uneducated piece and you're not honest about it, people are going to call you onto the carpet. So maybe it was just a, you know, throwing it out there, and and hoping that people would go a little bit easy on him. I don't know, because there there is literally no upside to admitting that you watched no film on the guy that's going to be the number one pick and one of the cornerstones of the franchise. Like, so I don't know you can... why you would do it. You could write that piece and just not say that. You could. I I disagree with his point and think it's pretty stupid. But you can debate the merits of the trade. That's fine. You don't need to write that. Just let people think you watched him. If you're going to do that, then like. Yeah. And Adam, to your point, with all this video out there, we now have access to the sorts of video 
especially with NFL All-22 type stuff, that previously, even five plus years ago, that really only coaches had available at their disposal, where you could go watch this guy's touches from any game. You could go watch every one of the shots he took from a random Pac-12 game in the in the middle of late January. Like the, the, we all have this access now that was previously only available to professionals. And like I wrote this the other day, we're not. This isn't rocket science. Even the best GMs, the best basketball minds, with forty percent of the time. Even the, it's no one really knows what's going to become of any of these guys. There are very few sure things. So for anyone could sit there. If you're a, whether you're a sports writer, a GM, a blogger, if you know anything about basketball and have watched enough basketball in your life, you could watch five to six hours of film or more, eleven hours, two hours, whatever it is, and you could form your own opinion on someone. And you're not rebuilding a a spaceship here. It's not that. It, people are like, well, you know, you can't just judge a guy on a YouTube video. Of course, of course, if you're a GM, you're going to spend months evaluating this stuff. But if you're going to write a column about a guy, you could get a pretty good feel for his game, what his strengths are, how, what his court demeanor is like, just by watching publicly available footage. It's not that hard. I hate the notion where people are like, well, you're not a professional. You can't. Oh, fuck that. You're, we're watching guys play sports and we're forming opinions my, about My that. thing is more to this and then we should wrap it up because then we're going to spend two episodes on Brooke over. <laughs> yes. If there, let's say it is, your, let's go with your 40%. Let's say GMs uh, aren't that accurate. And as he wrote at the end of his piece, if it's a guessing game, sometimes they guess wrong. So I could guess wrong too. All we're asking is you do the work. I don't care if your opinion is you could be wrong. Do the work, form an opinion, and then we'll see. It's just general laziness that is the bane of, of the media. This notion that you're on this high white castle and can't be touched when all of the websites, all of the little, all the younger writers, all the new blogs, these guys are grinding so hard and you're not trying at all. And it's embarrassing because you are representative of the city. Uh, Ham Sinky, which is a very, every time I see this person tweet, I get nervous. I don't know why. Ham Sinky tweeted, would you trade the first overall pick straight up for Porzingis, we'll go to our resident Porzingis aficionado, Russ. Hey. Um, so Porzingis was a guy that, what was it, a month ago, a month and a half ago, I brought up the fact that I thought it would be an excellent idea for the Sixers to back up the truck. And it was like, no, nah, there's no way they're going to get rid of him. I, After last night, it was reported that they fielded a ton of calls and now they have no interest in moving him. I won't be surprised if he's moved on draft night. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I think we're at the point now. Phil Jackson's ego is just so massive. It's bigger. It's it's so big. Ooh, hold on a second. You all right over there? Yeah, one of my one of my son's toys just went off. It was... Uh, uh, I, guess you I guess I guess you didn't hear that. I heard a little. I don't even hear in my house. I don't even hear that anymore. Like I could be watching a, a movie and the, the like. There's something mooing at me for an hour straight, and I, my brain has just learned to block it, block it out. Yeah. So anyway, Porzingis, right? Like the idea that he could be traded isn't isn't foreign. But like if if the Sixers wanted to do it, I don't know how they would, because trading next year's first round pick isn't going to be worth all that much. I think they're going to make the playoffs, so it's not like it's going to be a lottery pick. 
Um, the, the interesting thing would be to see how they could structure a deal if they wanted to include the other pick between the L.A. pick or the Sacramento pick. You know, like, if, if it conveys, if the L.A. pick conveys to Boston, that, that would mean the Sacramento pick would go to New York the next year or vice versa. It Like, that would be an interesting thing to see. Like, the, I'm not, that's a question for you. They can trade, I, I, I'm fairly certain on this, but they can trade the un, the protected portions of those picks that they still have the rights to, right? Yeah, because they technically, yeah, because they technically own them. So, like, okay, yeah. it, it would be, it would be an interesting thing, but, like, in the past, I would have said, you know, trade the Lakers pick, trade the Sacramento pick. Porzingis is that good. I mean, I I would like to see them try to make a deal, but then you're getting into, do you want to trade Covington and Saric plus next year's first, and then maybe like your 2020 first, and maybe one of the 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 LA or the Sacramento pick, however you can work that out with the league and the protections. Do you want to do that for Porzingis? I mean, if, if you think about it, Porzingis is a better player than Dario. I love Dario. I think Dario is a hard-nosed player, and I, I, I really do enjoy him. But if you're if you're giving me the option between Dario and Porzingis, I think pretty much anybody in their right mind is going to say that, that Chris Stapps is the way to go. Yes. But I, I don't actually see the Knicks oh, try... Do I don't, I... Me? Oh. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't see the Knicks trading Porzingis to an Eastern Conference team if, if they have their wits about them. It just so, doesn't make sense because the the New York fans are not going to be fans of watching. Like you can't sell them Laurie Markkinen as the guy to replace Porzingis. Yeah, but if there's any jackass who's going to try, it's Phil Jackson. Like he's half checked out already, so I don't think he cares about the conference. I don't think he cares about the fans. I think he cares about Phil Jackson and the Zen Master being able to out thinks he can outsmart everybody in basketball and just replace a Porzingis with a guy like Laurie Markkinen. And I think for how poor of an owner James Dolan is, I'm not so sure that he would sign off on a deal where you would trade him to a division rival. Like I, that's I think that's the biggest holdup. That's fair. I mean, uh, but then again, the Celtics and Sixers just traded and maybe set themselves up for two, three years down the road being going head to head in the East. It's less about divisions now than it is about conference. So I think the division, it, it's it's an easy argument to make, but I, I think the division thing goes out a little bit because, you know, your, your seating is based on conference. The um, argument to make there, though, is that Fultz is still an is still an unproven commodity in the NBA. You know the Porzingis Wait, so did is, you answer the question, would you no, take the first pick for Porzingis? I wouldn't. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. This is the. It, it's funny. This is the ninety-seven. So then, Porzingis was raised in Latvia until the age of like just damn. I would trade the first pick for Porzingis. What? Yes. No. Dude. Seriously. Okay. This is the ninety-seven-five question of the day, and there are nineteen right now as of almost seven a.m. on Wednesday. There are nineteen percent idiots out there who agree with you. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Rob ahead. Ellis talk if about Fultz this today. If Fultz ends up being as good as Porzingis, then holy crap, we are lucky. I am like that's the whole thing. Is this is a proven commodity that is like Fultz and I mean Porzingis and Embiid together is incredible. Now look, I understand in this draft. Fultz is the best option and is the position we need, but I am not passing up a front line of Simmons, Porzingis, and Embiid. Like, that's incredible. Like, I'll go get your freaking Kyle Lowry now, Kyle. Like, now I'm ready to go compete now. Uh, it, it, I just, Porzingis, I, I think, is a star. 
And I, I hope Fultz is a star. I think he has the capability of being a star. But we're talking about like a 7-3 all-star. I'm, think, I'm making the trade. There's no chance that New York makes a straight-up deal. Okay, but that wasn't a question. Well, we're just doing we're just doing I mean, the hypothetical. Well, if yeah, I'm the Knicks, I would lazy. take it's one lazy to and just say Sharich. I mean, if I'm the Knicks, I would take one and Sharich, and uh, I don't I know. I think that's enough. I mean, they they want to move up in the draft. There's there's nothing. If if think about this from if you're the Knicks for a second, I would not do this trade if I'm the Sixers. So let's just get that out there. But if you're the Knicks and you want to move up and you are in an untenable situation, second pod in a row. I've used that word. I'm proud of myself. <clears throat> SAT um, word of the day. If you uh, of the week, if you want to move up in the draft, you can get the number one pick and also get rid of this such untenable situation with Przingis. Then I, I don't see why the Knicks wouldn't entertain that offer. Division be damned. Here's the thing: if you're the Sixers, like you recreate the guard problem. And Adam, all right, like if if, for, if you were to tell me we'd come out of this offseason with Porzingis and Lowry. Um, okay, like, you know, you're starting to talk me into it a little bit. But Porzingis has two years under his belt. He's going to come up for money two years sooner than Markel Fultz is. So part of the allure of getting Fultz is that y- y- all these guys are on a similar timeline and you're not going to get guys... You, you know, they're under your control for manageable rookie contract salaries for for four plus years. Uh, Porzingis is already two years into the league. So that's one consideration. I, I I still feel like everything I've seen of Fultz, he has the potential to be a a superstar caliber, eight to ten time All Star in this league. And as good as Porzingis is, Fultz just makes so much sense and is so appealing that I, you know, guards like that could be very hard to come by. And I know seven foot three guys who can shoot are also hard to come by. But you do already have a seven plus footer who can bang inside and step out and hit a three in Embiid. I know they're different players, but I'm just, like, I I like Porzingis. I love the notion of the Sixers getting him, and I would happily trade away future picks to land him because you put him on a team that has faults, and you're talking about a a genuine potential dynasty with with the guys the Sixers would have all their third year or, or less. But... I don't know if, if I move the number one pick. One thing that's interesting is that Brian Colangelo keeps talking about accelerating the process. He specifically mentioned in the press conference, almost as a message to other GMs, that the Sixers are interested in getting back up into the first round. Uh, it was kind of odd the way he just volunteered that information. That was definitely a message to put that out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Colangelo's version of accelerating the process was using those future picks, sort of like he did for Fultz, to get back into the first round and get a second player now. Like, if I'm looking at it from Colangelo's angle, like, you know, you have known, I don't know how they can get back up into the top 10. There's not many teams I think that would want to trade out of there. But it, it, like if you really want to move the process forward, you have about nine known quantities available in this year's draft that a lot of people are pr- are pretty high on that they like, and I feel like if you could, yeah, you could have a number four pick in a year or two, or a number one pick even in a year or two. But we don't know what those draft classes are going to look like. You do know what it looks like this year, and it's pretty darn good. And there's some guys in there like a. You know, like a Josh Jackson, like a Jonathan Isaac, who would who would 
complement and somewhat fit with the other pieces you already have, or a Malik Monk. Not saying the Sixers can get back up into the top 10, but if I'm Brian Colangelo and I want to move that process forward, do you jettison two future first and a guy like Okafor to get back up into the high the high first round this year? I don't even know if it's doable, but that's one way to accelerate the process. Accelerating the process. Let me, you know what? Porzingis, I didn't realize. I don't know why I thought he was closer to 23 or 24. He's only 21. Thank you. I mean, uh, if New York comes to you, God, I don't. Kyle, man, you can't just say whatever. I mean, you literally just went up, on for like five minutes about if, age, and he's twenty-one. If Phil Jackson shows well, up, I didn't. I didn't go on about age. I went on the fact that he's two years into his deal, and he's going to get big plus, money. If you combine he gets, he gets MB, big money, and, if you no, combine Embiid's prowess on Twitter with Porzingis's ability to like attractive women's posts on Instagram, you have one of the most social media savvy uh, front courts in the game. Joel Embiid hey, follows is, Mallory Edens, by the way. Porzingis isn't um, actually up for a contract until 2019. He goes into he needs a qualifying offer and then Russ? he goes into restricted free agency. I think Russ is dead. Yeah, I don't know if this is re- it's recording locally on his end. So, uh, all right, let, let's move on to. Uh, yeah, you keep cutting in and out. Go I ahead. have no idea why. Give it. Um, say it again. All right, so Porzingis isn't up for a contract until 2019. He needs to be given a qualifying offer and then he hits restricted free agency. So, I guess if, if the Knicks come to you on draft night and offer you Porzingis straight up for number one, I, I'm actually starting to think that, yeah, you kind of have to take it. But that puts you in a terrible predicament guard-wise, so I, I don't know what the solution there is. Unless you're going to go after Lowry, which... Uh, oh my God, the, the, the heads of the process people would just explode if that happened. Would explode. Well, Porzingis is like maybe the only guy in the league that you do it for, though. Like if if you were gonna offer me Anthony Davis for number one, I'm not I'm not so sure because I know he hits free agency sooner, and I think there's a decent chance that he wouldn't want to stay in Philly. Porzingis would be kind of forced to because of restricted free agency. So if you're if you're gonna go for a for a guy that's young and hasn't even hit his prime yet, and who is a, a really good stopgap for when Embiid inevitably has to sit out games because of minutes restrictions or whatever. Or not playing the second half of back-to-backs, Porzingis is a perfect guy to fill in at the five. It would cause a massive logjam, though, because you you would have to hope at that point that Ben Simmons can play the one and defend the one or defend the two, because you'd have such a forward logjam. Uh, process people might not be that upset though, because that would probably mean that they would need Furkan Fer- Korkmaz to come over sooner rather than later to provide outside shooting from the guard spot. Anyway, Kyle, so what did you happen. want to talk on with like free agent signings and stuff? Uh, well, I, nothing, actually. I think that was just a note about talking about potential trades. I think the other guy who the Sixers have been linked to as well, and, and probably slightly, I don't, know, I don't know, more substantially, but I mean, the Kevin Love stuff had just as much smoke to it as the Porzingis stuff and is, quite honestly, probably more realistic. Um, what, like Adam, what would your thoughts be on Love? Your audio is muted. All right, I'll jump in for a second. Sorry, 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 sorry. I was literally trying to plug in my computer because I was going to die. Uh, my thoughts love. Look, my thoughts in love is the same about all this. I don't want to do anything with anybody. 
I don't want to give up any of the pieces. I want to see what this team is like with Fold, Simmons, and Bede, Sharich, and the boys. Wait, wait, you just advocated trading. Yeah, but that's Porzingis, not 28, 29 year old Kevin Love. Porzingis is a special case. Well, yeah, but okay, but it, you wouldn't need to trade the number one pick to get love. Now, the Cavs do want a a top ten pick, so to get love, I don't I and don't know how the do Sixers we have in the do top that. 10, Kyle, I get it, but but they're not they're not trading the number one for love. That's not even a discussion. I think you could sit here and discuss Porzingis because he's he's younger and cheaper and and better, but I, that's not the discussion for love. I just hope but the Sixers could... brass realizes that we're so freaking happy with them right now that we're actually going to give them patience and they don't need to go for it right now. Like, they have so much goodwill built on what just happened. Don't mortgage the farm to go for a run right now. We have this awesome core of Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid who aren't going to be available for a lot, for like, aren't going to be up for a contract in a while. Let's just milk that unless Porzingis is available. Or Giannis. Yeah, I'm just. I'm, no, there's like a list of guys, like the Porzingis, the Giannis. Right, fair, like, there's fair. a bunch of guys. Fair. I mean, I, I like the I like the notion of getting Kevin Love. If it means, even if it means moving Sharich and a future number one, Love's only 28. He's got two years left on his deal. He's like 25 million per year. Yeah, he's expensive, but I, I'm a guy who sit here and advocated for before the the trade with the Celtics for signing Kyle Lowry. So I have no problem getting a 28-year-old with three years left on his deal. So you know that's one year less than maxing a guy like Lowry would have been. A 28-year-old with three years left on his deal who, who plays a role and a position that would, would absolutely fit on this team. A rebounding guy who can shoot three-pointers. Like he would work perfectly on this squad. I, I don't know why the knee-jerk reaction, again, from the process folks was to be like, no, he's too expensive. We don't want love. He doesn't fit our timeline. But I don't think a, signing a player like that really restricts your timeline because it's only three years. He's not a max contract. He, like, I, I don't I don't see the issue with a guy like Love. And we're, we sat here the other day and talked about signing Redick. I would take Love over Redick, even if you had to give up a, a Sharich and a pick to do it. No. Um, it, it might not be quite as ideal, and giving up something like a Sharich isn't isn't great. But I, I love the notion of Kevin Love on this team, and I don't I don't know why there's such such pushback there. I don't think it's a done deal. You have to see what you have to give up. But I, I mean, I, I don't know, Russ. Because do you have thoughts Kevin, here? Kevin Love doesn't do much for your team. Like well, conceptually, well, conceptually, right? If if you were gonna say that the Sixers were able to trade, like, Okafor and a few second-round picks to move up and get, like, say, the 20th pick in the draft. And then they went into a, a deal with the Cavs and, say, Indy for, for Paul George. They absorbed Kevin Kevin Love, and all they had to trade was that, that late first-round pick and maybe, like, a future consideration in, like, 2022. Like, okay, then maybe that's a thing. But, like, the idea that you would give up on Saric, who's only going into his second year in the league, who's under team control for the foreseeable future... But maybe plus it's Okafor. Another, maybe it's plus, not Sharp. Plus a future. Yeah, but Jaleel Okafor is not going to move the needle. Who wants Okafor? Okay, How, Okafor like, and a couple of number ones. Like I, I, I don't. Why know. would you trade a couple of number ones for a guy that's only going to be here for three years and then is going to leave in free agency in three years? When in is he? In, is he? With, if the Sixers are contenders, is he? He's just going to walk. For, no, because in three years, that's when we we typically tend to think that the Sixers are going to be ready to compete. Yeah, You're okay. going to tell me that a guy who has an extensive injury history and Kevin Love is now all of a sudden going to become this like pro 
All right, let's switch it up real quick. Let's go to the Flyers. Uh, Russ, Kyle, thoughts on the new Adidas jerseys? The Flyers stayed relatively similar, but did you notice anything different? Uh, no, they're the exact fucking they're, same. They're the same, and now they're sponsored by a good old German company. Well, so Adidas is owned by uh, Reebok, so, which is, makes this deal all that much weirder, the fact that the same parent company still has the rights. Um, the jerseys, the, there's a little bit of difference in the collars. The material is obviously different, but this is like when the NFL announced the new Nike jerseys and they had this big unveiling and every single team, with the exception of one or two, I guess the Seahawks and a few others, were identical to what they previously were and never mind that nike had trouble even getting their new material on the eagles midnight green for a full season um yeah i don't know the jerseys are the same i hate this in american sports we're so goddamn conservative about making changes there's a few collar changes to a few teams but overall almost all the jerseys are nearly identical brighter orange it might be i mean that's that's usually the things that happens when you change it's like the uh, material green with uh when they made the switch to nike remember they had the, yeah our the guy issue. dan fuller is a is an engineer and and deals with like quality like color matching and stuff i actually used to work with him in a manufacturer previously and we used to have to do this color matching stuff and he wrote stuff uh, a piece about the midnight green problem a few years ago and what happens is when you switch materials they reflect light differently and it's it's often hard to replicate the exact color or or match the way it showed up previously because the jerseys need to look good on TV. They need to look good under bright bright lights in arenas and stadiums. So you might get a little bit of a hue change, but overall the jerseys are the same. I just wish in America, especially with the exception of football, we play so many games a season, whether it's eight you know eighty plus or one hundred and sixty plus, it, like. Soccer every year. The, one of the coolest things about soccer is after the season ends in the spring, they come out with new kits. Real Madrid just announced their new kit, and each team rolls it out over the course of a few weeks. And it's exciting. It gives fans something to talk about. They get to go buy new jerseys. You get to sell more jerseys. Like I don't get why in American sports we can't just switch the jerseys up more often or even just add a new alternate every single year. People talk about tradition. Like, you could still have an iconic look. Manchester United has an iconic look. Real Madrid has mostly an iconic look. You can match. You could, you could come up with a new jersey while still keeping your kind of classic aesthetic. I just don't like... Like, why are we so conservative and anti-change? Adidas made this big thing about coming out with new jerseys, and, like, two teams changed. Mix it up a little bit. Have some fun. There's 80 games. Do Play 20 with a new jersey every year. I What's the problem? I think you're on to a fair point. Russ, uh, the big question from Flyers Twitter is that Nico or Nolan, it could come down to those two. Are you still in Camp Nico with I'm the firmly, second pick in the Flyers draft? For the I'm NHL? firmly in Camp Nico, though, unfortunately for anybody else who's in that camp, it would appear that in many mock drafts, it appears that New Jersey is also in Camp Nico, which would mean that we would end up with Nolan Patrick, which is not a bad consolation prize in all of this. He was originally supposed to be the number one pick, um, but I, I really was hoping for Nico. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for the draft. Um, I don't know. I, I think we've all said that we're in Camp Nico, right? Well, solely because his name is Nico, and he's supposedly more fun to watch. As a non-intelligent like, person that I am, it just sounds more fun. But the super big, absolutely ready to play right away, strong center in Nolan sounds amazing, too. Yeah, like no, either, see, I, either, either way, they're going to get a guy who's going to contribute to the team pretty much immediately unless they move him to, like, right wing on the third line, <laughs> which 
we've said before is totally within the realm of possibility. Yeah, but um, you're getting... Yeah, you're right, uh, Russ. Either Roy, whatever fuck your name is. Um, you're getting you're getting a potential star here uh, at, at one or two. So the Flyers are going to come out of this draft looking good. We all decided previously that we like Nico. Adam, you like it for his name. I think Russ and I like him because he's fast and absurd. can score. His name's great. But the Flyers haven't had a guy. I just want the sniper. I want the scorer. And when we talked about this a month ago, a month plus ago, Nolan Patrick was still the consensus number one. He's probably been the consensus number one for a year and a half. Nico Patrick had a whole host of injury issues this last season, while Nico just came on and tore up, uh, what was the name of his team, Russ? I know you know this. Halifax. Halifax. Um He's torn it up of late. He's smaller. He's a little bit undersized, but he's super quick and possesses elite playmaking and scoring ability. That's the guy I want. It seems the rest of the league is coming around, uh, or at least the Devils are coming around on him maybe being worth the number one pick. So I will be disappointed if they wind up with Nolan Patrick. Not that I don't think he's going to be a great player, um, but there are a few injury concerns. And the fact that the Flyers have had the bigger two-way, the Flyers always have the big two-way center. I'm tired of the big two-way center. I want the I want the fast the fast European who could score. That's what Nico is, and we already have our Nico power play shirts made up. So part of this is selfish, but I would be disappointed if the Flyers don't come out of this with the sniper in in Nico. And there it's now Sam Carcitti. Take that with a grain of salt, but also well, Bob McKenzie and TSN. We got him ready to go. Yeah, drafts Friday. Oh, a more uh, pressing, <laughs> a more pressing issue for the Flyers is going to be tonight's NHL expansion draft. And as I said, I think it was last week, the two guys that I think are the most likely to be taken are Michael Roffel or uh, Michael Neuvert. Um, the only other interesting guy that that they left you nailed the Stolars protection, by the way. Yeah, good job. I know. Thank you. Um, the only other guy that I think they might risk losing is Jordan Wheel who apparently has already been contacted by Las Vegas about a potential contract, which is a thing that you can do if you're about to hit free agency and you haven't been protected by your team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Raffle is taken tonight, which I think would be a little bit of a shame. Um, but when you're able to replace a guy like that with one of the top two picks in the draft, I think you're okay. Um, I'd be more than happy to let Neuwirth go and try to figure out this goalie thing because, let's be honest, the Flyers are never going to be confident in any goalie they ever have. So... Um, that would at least free up a little bit more cap space. Who's but, the biggest player from any team that could be stolen on Wednesday night? Biggest? I, I think like the biggest name that we're familiar with would be Marc-Andre Fleury from the Penguins. Uh, um, I, I think that's almost a foregone conclusion that they're going to take him. Um, but do, do Pittsburgh fans worry about him going? No, because they have a they have a better, younger goalie. Um, we just, just won the, we Stanley, just saw them win Cup. the Stanley Cup. So. Yeah. I think Fleury's probably the biggest name, though. Um, somebody can correct me if, like, Minnesota has a guy that's, that's you know, vulnerable, able to be taken, but I think Fleury's probably the biggest name. And All with right, that, do I've, you think any Flyers get taken tonight? Yeah, for sure. It's, e- it's either going to be Raffle, Raffle, Wheel, or, or Neuvert. The All only right, guy put your that money down. Who are you picking? Uh, probably Raffle. I'm going to yeah, go Raffle, too. I'm on Raffle, too. One more time, 
NBA draft. Watch it with us. We're doing watch it with Russ and Kyle. I unfortunately can't make it. They're going to be at ladder 15 of open bar. If you drop and it's so little money, drop a little cash open bar or there's going to be beer specials. They're recording the podcast live at eight. Uh, So join them Thursday night for the draft. It should be awesome as we celebrate the beginning of the Fultz, Simmons, Embiid triumvirate. Unless they're able to trade for Porzingis, which they totally should. Hashtag Fultzadelphia. Uh, hit us up on uh, on iTunes. Uh, leave a five star review before we leave. I just want to give a quick shout out to String Seven One Two, Underdunk, D Bull Eighteen, O'Brien, Kyle, South Seven Seven Six, Philly Mike, Kate May Fisher. Tons of five star reviews that came through. All none of them really asked questions. All of them either described the podcast or said that it was the best Philly sports podcast out there, which is equally as awesome. Awesome. So thank you guys so much, and uh, hey, oh, enjoy hey. the draft. What's up, Russ? I don't mean to. I don't mean to hide. Yeah, don't this, ruin but, uh, the perfect clothes. Yeah, you I'm fuck. sorry. I want. I want to give one shout out. There's a, a guy on Twitter at Hashzilla who said that his wife has been in labor since 5:30 last night. So I'm hoping that goes well. Uh, best of luck to them. Awesome. He, come on, man. <laughs> Is he listening to the pod? I, I would. Think that was so. the most stressful 12 hours of my life. You know I what? I'm hoping that, that as part of their birth plan in the hospital. They have it set up that like the pod has to be playing as this child enters the world. Hope nothing not. Like, nothing like coming into the world listening to Adam Lefko. As <laughs> as the kid, one guy here, the kid's who, going as, back in. He's as the one guy in. here who doesn't have a kid, man, I I don't know what that's like, but I hope it goes well too. It is awesome. rough. That is a rough experience. Talk about yeah. that later. Yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the draft. See. Prolific player for the team that's going to like lead them to the 2020 NBA championship. There's no way. And all you're doing at that point is you're creating further logjam for a guy that's not worth it. Like This is where the difference between Kevin Love and Porzingis is if Porzingis were, were acquired, he's with you for the next eight, nine years, without a doubt. And he's going to be hitting his prime at the same time that Ben Simmons is, that Joel Embiid is, that Mark All right, Bull, well, let me ask you this. How, how on here. earth, like, then... Three years from now, do you afford Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Porzingis, and then a year later, Markel Fultz, if all goes well? And because you're talking you, about injuries. Because you're, allowed to go into the, because you're allowed to go into the luxury tax quite far to extend your own players. That's how. It, these these are, are things that are built into the, the new CBA that, that are supposed to allow teams to be able to keep their young players. Okay, but we're that's sitting here talking about injuries. All three of us, it's worth noting, we're building a team around Joel Embiid. Like, let's let's just point that well, out. Well, again, that's okay. why Porzingis, if you, if you were going to make a trade, that's fair. is the guy to acquire because he plays the same, well, he could theoretically play the same position when you need him. Fair. Kevin Love fair. is like, Kevin Love's a lovely player. If it were going to cost you a late first round pick to just take him in and have him kind of be a, a mentor, play the four, you move Simmons to the three then that's fine. But the idea that he somehow is going to stay with the Sixers, be content playing for a Sixers team that's growing, and then by the time they're ready to contend, he, he realistically would probably just kind of fall off. 